0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: A terrifying and sad story out of Tennessee. A deputy making his first arrest goes off the road straight into a river, killing himself and the suspect handcuffed in the back. We're taking a closer look at the circumstances and who the victims were with Brookford, North Carolina Police Chief Will Armstrong. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Such a sad development out in Tennessee. We have this 35-year-old rookie cop. He had just achieved his dream of becoming a police officer, and now he was found dead near his patrol car in the Tennessee River in the Birchwood area just after making his first arrest. And this is not even the, the only sad part about this case. The suspect that he had arrested was handcuffed and essentially trapped in the back of the car, submerged in the water. She's dead as well. This is absolutely terrible. Let's talk about it and explain what happened. So Robert R.J. Leonard, a father of five, had graduated from the academy in December. He took a position with the Meigs County Sheriff's Office as a deputy. But now you fast forward to February 14th, Valentine's Day, and Leonard's wife posted photos to Facebook to celebrate the holiday But hours later, her husband would be missing. This after he had just sent her a text saying he made his first arrest. Here's Attorney General Russell Johnson explaining how before he disappeared, Leonard responded to a scene to make that first arrest and how he ultimately didn't check in.
2: What we know is that he arrived on the scene at 9.48 p.m. on Wednesday evening, and he indicated that he was on scene. Three minutes later at 9.51, he indicated 10.15 that he was en route with a subject uh, back to the Meigs County Jail. It's my understanding from this uh, area, there's various ways you can get back uh, to the Meigs County Jail. Uh, We'll note that uh, as you might've discovered cell cell phone service in this uh, neck of the woods, so to speak is not good. And as radio communications are not, as we found out uh, here tonight in our effort to try to, to locate him. So within three minutes, he was turned around and coming back the next communication, happened about approximately 12 minutes later at 10.03, and there was a radio communication that came out and dispatch couldn't tell what, what he was saying or what he had said, and it took a while and some, anal- some analytics to go into play uh, for us to, to see what was being, or t- try to understand what was being said, and we think he was saying water. At the very same time, he was also texting his wife. It's my understanding he sent a, a one-word text that said, arrest. Evidently, I'm learning this is his first arrest. Uh, his wife texted back and said, that's good or that's great. We know that he did not receive, his phone did not evidently receive that text. So those two things happened at the same time. So dispatch at that point uh, started doing a status check and every deputy or officer that was out checked in and said 10-4, they're okay, uh, but not uh, Deputy Leonard.
1: Uh, So very chilling stuff right there, uh, particularly how these electronic communications can kind of tell us the story. But before we go any further, let me bring in once again to here on Sidebar, Will Armstrong, Brookford Police Chief in North Carolina. Uh, Will, so great to have you back on here. Thanks for taking the time. So first, that's typical, right? The check-in or the status checks with dispatch, maybe it ends of shifts at the end of the night
0: yeah absolutely um anytime an officer usually is on any kind of scene especially in my area they're going to get a status check from from communications when you check out on a scene they're going to check on you some places have automatic timers built into their systems and stuff they may check on you every two minutes traffic stops they may check on you every 30 seconds in this case um, it sounds like he was en route to the jail and they lost transmission with him and so, obviously, they're going to start checking on him just to see what's going on. It's it's very good, like you said, that they had this electronic log to kind of keep yeah. keep a timeline on what took place.
1: And and I appreciate you saying that that it's not normal uh, for someone to not check in, which is a good thing because you know something might be in tr- someone might be in trouble, particularly in your profession. Um, you mentioned the data, so through his cell phone, authorities were able to track Leonard down by the river. And then these search teams they end up finding his patrol car submerged in the water at the end of this old ferry ramp our understanding, it had been used in the last few decades by locals as a place to put boats into the Tennessee River. And the person that Deputy Leonard arrested, identified as mother of two, Tabitha Smith, was still handcuffed inside, essentially trapped in the back. Reports indicate that she was covered in mud when she was found in the water. Her family says that she had been battling drug addiction but was trying to turn her life around. It's unclear exactly why she was taken into custody. Will, I mean we talk about the, the the death of Leonard which we'll get into in a, a little bit more but what happened to her that is so sad thinking about her death how terrifying that must have been for her handcuffed and essentially drowning
0: You're right that i mean that is a that is the worst possible Outcome that you could ever want for when you're transporting someone. I mean, when you put it that way, because she had not a fighting chance. If she's handcuffed in the back seat of the patrol vehicle, she can't get free. And so you're right; she she ultimately drowned to death and didn't even have a chance to even attempt to break free. So,
1: um, and to be clear, I mean, I, I should have corrected. We don't know a hundred percent what the cause of death is, but I think we're assuming based on the circumstances here uh, yeah. about what might have happened. Real quick yeah. about that, it was proper protocol here for her to be handcuffed in the back seat. Yeah, that—that's—that's that's typical, right?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, most agencies have a policy in place that if you're going to be transported in any police vehicle, they want you to be handcuffed. A lot of agencies can't even transport civilians around in that case without being handcuffed uh, just because it's for an officer safety standpoint. But if you're a prisoner and you're going to the jail, absolutely, it's standard protocol you're to, be, to be handcuffed. And that's just for our safety. And it's also for their safety so that we don't know they're messing around with anything and we don't get the worries.
1: And, and as for Deputy Leonard, this he wasn't in the car. So they find her, but they find Smith, but they don't find uh, Deputy Leonard. And while the search for Leonard was ongoing, there was this hope that he might be found alive outside the water. They didn't immediately follow, find him. And at the news conference before Leonard's body was ultimately located, the sheriff was quite emotional.
2: Deputy uh, Leonard was uh, had been on the force for about two months. He, he graduated, just started out of academy, and had got his training. We uh, Put him on a night shift and he was doing a pretty good job. He's doing real, a real good job. And uh, it's just, I don't, I don't know, it, it's just hard when the one, the department is just like a family and we just, uh, I hope things is different, I, I pray it is.
1: But ultimately, and sadly, Leonard's body was recovered by the Meigs County EMS and Rescue Squad with the help of dive teams. His remains were transported to a regional medical examiner's office, escorted by members of multiple agencies, and the impact on his colleagues was apparent. Part
0: time force here. Forgive me. It's something we don't ever deal with here in Meigs County, We're a my rural county. We're not used
2: to. It. Deputy Leonard had only been here for a couple months, that he became part of our family.
1: And that's an important point, though, Will. Right, like the idea of a how new he was to the job. Right, had just started here. It was his dream. How young he was. But B, it is a family and this is a tremendous yeah. loss to, to those around him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, it, it's so difficult. I think some people don't quite realize when you're in law enforcement capacity, you've got to operate a radio and you're operating sirens and, and your computers and all this stuff now with technology being advanced as it is. So you're constantly having to mess with electronics, but in this case, you know, um, he, he has cell phone throw that into the mix and, um, and, and unfortunate circumstances happen. So we have to go through annual kind of uh, Refreshers, uh, drivers training every year. And what we talk about through some of that is just making sure that our electronics are kind of uh, secondary, that what we're focusing on is the road. Because even when we're responding, and we're just going enough another topic, but you're responding to emergency traffic, you got so many things GPS is all this stuff now. It's hard. It's not as easy as it, as it seems to be. So you never, and he was new to the area, is my understanding. That, that's so, 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 another. So that's-
1: Let's talk about that because the area that Deputy Leonard was driving is considered dangerous if you're not familiar with it, especially it's rural, it's dark, it has these sharp curves. The boat ramp is near where one would turn to take the bridge across the river, so it is possible that maybe Leonard turned too soon. It's also possible that he could have been distracted by the message that he sent his wife we can't confirm that we just don't know. DA Johnson did say, quote, we're operating under the theory that it was an accident that he missed his turn, he wasn't familiar and he was doing other things that may have caused him to go underwater. There's skid marks and some scratch marks too, so there's some indication that he was on the brakes at least trying to stop, so it sounds like, you know, just an unfortunate accident. And Johnson also said that this isn't the first time that cars have ended up in the water at this boat ramp. A, a local judge who grew up in the area and was present in one of the news conferences, said it's something they need to look at.
2: It's probably been open because it's such a good place to put the boats in. But I I think we need some sort of uh, device, maybe before you get down to the boat landing, to the water, Mm -hmm. that will make people stop and then maybe go around it to, to put their boat in. Yeah, more rumble strips, perhaps. It has one small set and then just the one sign. That's about all there is.
1: So, so Will, it sounds like this was a terrible accident. I know online there's been a rush to say that he was distracted driving, texting his wife. Um, there is evidence, as again, he, he sent this message. She wrote him back. He didn't respond to it. We know earlier that there was possibly him trying to get out a message through his dispatch that uh, he was saying water. You're hearing about the skid marks. But it sounds by all accounts that this was just a terrible, terrible, unfortunate set of circumstances.
0: Yeah. I, and I'm familiar. I've done a lot of traffic enforcement and a lot of um, worked a lot of wrecks. Um, the fact that there's skid marks, I mean, that's going to go ahead and tell you that he saw what he, he did see that there was danger there but he, he so he put the brakes on which is which is good but it might have been too late one of the great things about these accidents and when they have reconstructionists come in and those are guys that are law enforcement experts that come in and they can look at this scene and usually piece back together exactly what happened and the way they do that is they're going to measure the skid marks they're going to look for any other marks that may be in the ground such as gouge marks they're going to look and see how far it was from the scene and they can estimate speed based off of the skid marks and where the vehicle's at they also can look at things like airbag control modules and stuff inside of the vehicles especially with the newer vehicles and those things can tell you things that you may not even realize as far as if a te- if your phone is connected to these things now it can tell you if if there was a text message open it can tell you if there was something that had happened so they're going to likely be able to piece together exactly what happened with time the, these 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 reconstructions that will come back in ultimately Place this accident, they'll be able to give you a better time frame and what it was looking like at the time as far as his cell phone and the electronics based off of the airbag control module, based off of the, the, the airbags going off, based off of uh, the skid marks and just the speed. And they'll be able to have a better understanding. I think time will just allow that as they continue their investigation.
1: I, I agree. Yeah. I, I will tell you what we know now, and that is that two people died and it was a senseless death. So th- these two people should not. Right. Have- They really. This was just a tragic situation, and it's um. You have two families. You have two families who lost loved ones, and they're never going to be the same. It's really a sad case. Um, and I wanted your perspective on it because I haven't heard of anything like this. I'm not sure if you have heard anything like this, but uh, it's just a really, really sad case, and I and I wish it didn't happen. But Will Armstrong, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your insight. Would love to have you back here on Sidebar if you ever have time.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: Okay, everybody, that is all we have for you right now here on this episode of Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. We always really appreciate it. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.